Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Dan. Uh, would you guys stand for the scripture reading? We'll be reading out of Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and, and were taught in him according, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Let's pray. God, we meditate on these words that, that say that we need to put off the old and put on what is new. Lord, may your resurrection power, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, be in us so that we can put off the old and put on the new. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer, and we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, testimony is your story that you have of God working inside of you and your, your change in your own life from what is old to what is new. And I enjoy hearing people's stories and their testimonies. Just last week on Saturday, I was listening to a testimony of a kid. We were just talking. I say kid. He was probably 25 or so. Uh, and he was sharing with me his testimony. He said from a very young age... He started trying drugs in his early teens. By his late teens, he was doing intravenous drugs and became a drug dealer to provide money for that habit. And he said that he was a hitman. So while he was still in high school, struggling somehow through his high school uh, years, at the age of 16, he was a hitman. I was like, a hitman? He said, yeah. He said he would be the person that would go after people to get their money. He said many times he would find himself in a living room with a family all tied up and he would have a gun holding them at gunpoint and he would get the money that, uh, that was told to him that he needed to get from that person or that family. And I was just listening to this testimony. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah, I was in jail, in and out of jail, didn't know God. And finally, uh, through a series of circumstances, heard the message of grace, heard the message of God, and trusted his life in God. And his ways were turned from the old to the new. And now he's a missionary. He's training to be a missionary at YWAM. There's a base just up the road on Garden of the Gods. And he was sharing with me that testimony. And then he said, 
well, what's your testimony? And I had this thought, like, I need to compete with that. Like, <laughs> I, I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents brought me to Sunday school. I had perfect attendance as, as a kid going to Sunday school. And so I, I thought, and my, I didn't say this, but I thought, you know, I was pretty bad too. As a, as a Boy Scout, I was known as the prankster. I would take kids underwear and, and raise them up on the flagpole. Then kids would go out and be like, hey, that's my Superman underwear. And they'd get, they'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, one time, me and some friends, we snuck into their parents' uh, their, their bedroom. We pulled the mattress, had that little tag that said, do not cut. And guess what we did? Cut it off. Um, and it's like, I, have, I really have nothing to compete with this kid. You know, he just shared with me that he's a hitman, and he, he probably murdered people. And, and I was just thinking, wow, your life has changed from darkness to light. In my life, I think about it, and I think... You know, Brady, our, our, our Brady Boyd, our senior pastor at New Life North, a couple years ago, said something and, and kind of reset it, and it really stuck with me that we, for those of us that grew up in the church, we should never think of that as something bad. Like, we should think of that as good. God spared us from, from a life that, that we didn't have to live and a life that was from a very early age knowing the ways of God. And we shouldn't think about, you know, like, oh, our testimony isn't like someone else's testimony, therefore it's, it's not as good. I have a testimony. Faith became my own when I was in high school, and I think about the old ways that I laid aside and a new way, and a, and a, a new way that Christ has given me, which brings us to this first point in this sermon, that, that we need, as according to this passage, Paul tells us to put off our old self, to stop being the way that we were, to put off our old self. He says it again and again in different ways. In the King James Version, he says, uh, it says, put off the old man. So if you're, if you're uh, put off the old person that was living inside of you, and now you have this new thing living inside of you. He says, he starts off this passage saying, no longer live as the Gentiles do. The people that are in the world and living for the world don't live like they live. Put off those old ways. And if we do that, we should never, this, as a side note, we should never think of ourselves higher than anyone else. Like, oh, it's, it's us and them, and, and we're so much better. It's like, no, we, we, we do think of ourselves with humility and that God has saved us and spared us from different lifestyles. But we should forget the former way of life. That's what Paul says. Do not live according to the former way of life, but be made new in your attitude of your mind. He says it like this. He says, put off the old, but put on the new self. And he says, put off falsehood that leads to sin. And it's this baptism. It's the resurrection inside of us. God inside of us that changes us from the inside out. And we put off these old things and put on these new things. So the second point is this, to put on a new self. Put off the old. And don't just put off the old, like try to stop doing old things, but then put on the new. Paul encourages us and admonishes us, tells us to put on the new. This week I was preparing for this sermon and I was in Manitou at a coffee shop uh, preparing and I overheard, I wasn't really eavesdropping, but the tables were pretty close together. So I was just, you know, just listening quietly and preparing this message. And it was a wonderful conversation. Uh, one of the store owners in Manitou, if I said the name, you'd, you'd all know it, uh, a pretty popular uh, kind of a tourist uh, store in Manitou. The owner was sitting down with an employee and it was a great meeting. The employee, uh, it seemed like from the conversation, again, I wasn't eavesdropping too much, but a little bit. And it seemed like he, uh, she was uh, an employee there for quite a while and she was being lifted up to a manager position. And so what this store owner was doing was just going over 
the old rules. Like, here's, here's what we do. We want to be the best store possible, so here's the rules. You know, if someone shows up drunk or high, they need to go home because we want to be the best, and, and that we don't tolerate that. If, if food isn't up to its highest potential or if food falls on the floor, what do you do? We, we throw it out. We, we don't mess around with that. We want to serve the best possible food. So she basically went through all the rules of the store in, in preparing this girl for now management positions just reminded her. Surely she was already aware of these things, but, but, but being called into this new position, the store owner was repeating the rules. And this is what this passage is. If you think about what we just read, it's a bunch of rules. Paul says, do this and don't do that. And it's coming from someone, Paul, who is very um, in love with this congregation he's writing to. Here he is about 800 miles away in, in Rome in, in what is today Italy, and he's writing to Ephesus, which is, was a coastal city uh, on what is today the, the coast of Turkey. 800 miles away, Paul spent time in Ephesus, and he's writing back to these people in love, saying, uh, here's the rules, here's the way I want you to live. And whenever someone starts talking about rules, it's very easy for us to kind of roll our eyes and be like, well, you know, you, you think you have it all together. You're going to tell us the rules. I don't think so. But here, Paul is, is, you can tell he's saying these things in love. And he's saying them not as like, oh, I'm, I've got it all figured out and I'm telling you how to live. Here's the rules you need to do because I have it all figured out. Not, not the case. Paul uh, talks about how he is a sinner. In fact, he refers to himself as the greatest of sinners, the, the, you know, the one who has sinned the most. He refers to himself as having this thorn in his flesh. We don't really know what it is. It's some sort of metaphor, but it's something he's struggling with. He is not perfect. He is going and he is fighting the fight, as he says himself. We think about heroes in the Bible. Just to remind us, I think uh, New Testament, Peter is, is a great uh, example of this. Peter, a hero in the faith, he denies Christ, he sins. Uh, no, one is, no one is more of a hero in the Old Testament than, say, Moses. And yet he murdered someone. In his rage, he murdered someone. Or, say, David. No one's better than David in the Old Testament. He's, he wrote most of the Psalms. He's uh, a man after God's own heart. And yet, we, if we know David's story, he committed adultery and then committed murder to cover that adultery. And then he comes to the Lord and repents. We have that Psalm. It's Psalm 51 where he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to the great mercy, according to thy multitude of tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my sins. So we have these characters in the Bible that are by no means perfect. They're, they're not perfect. They sin, and, and then yet they have this repentance that they come to the Lord with. In the same way, Paul is here sharing with us some rules that we are to live by, and, and these rules are, are because we live from the inside out. We live with this new thing inside of us. So we could look at a list of rules and say, oh, if we, if we can only do this and that and, and fix this and fix that. I think about someone that has no business working on cars, like someone that just doesn't know anything about cars, buying an old, broken-down, like, lemon from Craigslist and thinking, oh, they're going to systematically fix all of these things. And so they, they bring it home, and they're, they're trying to, you know, unplug things just randomly. They have no idea what anything does. They're pulling out parts. They're, they're fiddling around with tools. And they're just, they're just moping their way through life trying to fix this car that's never going to run because you can't, this person, they don't know anything about cars. They're trying to fix it and trying to fix it and getting frustrated and and wasting their time, and then I imagine someone pulls up with a brand new car and the keys to a brand new car and says, here you go. 
Take this. Stop, stop working on this car that you're never going to fix yourself. And, and the same image is true if that's what the Lord does to us inside out. He is the one who makes us new. We don't need to follow these rules for salvation. That's not how it works. I'll talk about that in just a second. But it's easy, isn't it, to um, tell someone else how to live. I've been the recipient of that a couple times when someone, you just know someone doesn't know the whole situation. They come in thinking they do and they tell you how wrong you are. This, I, I say these stories uh, that I'm about to say to say that this is not what's going on here. Paul knows these people and he's, uh, he's encouraging them to live a life of faith. But when Max was born, this is uh, a year ago or two years ago, roughly. Uh, he was crying in the car. We, we were, me and Erica were running around doing different errands. We stopped at a hardware store and Max was crying in the back seat. Erica was uh, back there comforting him. And I ran in real quick to the hardware store. I came back out and there was this guy in a truck with his window down, just kind of like staring at me. And I walked up and he said, you're going to go to jail for that. And I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> he said, what you're doing is wrong. You know, they ought to take your kid away and put you in jail. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> it was such a random, he was just so firm about it. And I said, you left your kid in the car while you went in the store. And I said, yeah, but my wife is in there. And he stopped and like looked down and looked into the car and he's, he mumbled something and sped off. And I was just like, man, what a weird situation. Like that he thought, and it just ruined my day. I just kept thinking about that. It's like, he really got under my skin. Or just on Friday, I was at the zoo, uh, the Manitou Springs Elementary uh, kindergartners went to the zoo, and I had my son Jay and this other kid, and we were feed, we had the $3. If you've ever been to the zoo, you pay $3, you get this, uh, like three pieces of lettuce for $3, and you feed the giraffe, and they stick out their long, like little black tongue, and they grab the, the lettuce, and, and the boys were doing that and just having so much fun and squealing and, and giggling and we ran out of lettuce and this uh, zoo trainer came out and had a bunch of crackers and so she gave uh, these crackers to the boys and the boys were feeding the the giraffes these little bits of crackers and squealing and screaming and just loving it and the zookeeper walked away and a couple minutes later while they were still feeding this lady came up and said you guys ought to be ashamed of yourself and we were like what for what <laughs> and the kids were like oh. <laughs> And he's like, you're, you're feeding these giraffes people food. You shouldn't do that. These dreads, she went, had this whole tirade. She was like, they're going to be sick. They're going to have diarrhea and blah, blah, blah. And all these giraffes are going to die. And, and, and we just, I was just looking at this lady like, what are you talking about? Like the trainer just gave us this food. That's what I said. I said, the trainer gave us the food. And she kind of mumbled, like, doesn't make it right and walked away. I was like, what? It just, it, it, I had, I, to be honest with you, it ruined my morning. I was just thinking like, gosh, that lady just got under my nerves. Like she's judging us and she has no idea of the whole situation. So all that to say, those stories to say, that this is not Paul's intentions. He's not writing from a long ways away, not knowing these Ephesians, not loving these Ephesians. He is the one who started this church. He knows these people. He's writing to the Ephesians, and we get to look on and say that this is Scripture for us. So he's going to go through a list of a set of don't do this, but do do this. It's, it's a list of things. I'm going to read it for us. It starts in verse 28. Um, he says, Therefore... Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. So here's what you're supposed to do. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully. It's a, it's a do not do and a do do. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not the, let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil, devil a foothold. If any of you are climbers, 
Uh, you know, the handhold is pretty good, but a foothold, something you like put your whole foot in, that's how you climb a, a route. That's how you climb a mountain. And, and Paul's saying in this metaphor, don't do that for the devil. Don't give him something he can stand on and get into your life. Verse 28 says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. And then he says what to do. Well, he, he wants you to work, but you must work and do something useful with your hands that you may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. So here's this list, and, and surely we've, we've all fallen short on this list. Of course, you could think about different things in our own lives, and looking through these passages, we're like, yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely done that and done this, and some of you are like, yeah, I did that just, you know, on the car ride here to church, and <laughs> there's things in our lives. Of course, we have fallen short. That we're going to say a prayer today uh, at the end of the service, and it, it's, it's a prayer that lists all of these sins. I think it's somewhat uh, based upon this passage as well as others, and it lists, at least according to me, and I read through this list, it's like, man, that lists just about every sin I can think of. And me and Dan Danae were back there, and it's like, this is a pretty extensive list. In fact, some of the words we had to look up, like, what is this sin? I didn't even know this was a sin, but apparently it is. We're going to go through this list as a guide to pray as we pray and say, Lord, here's all the things where I've fallen short, and Lord, I repent. And that, that's the, the purpose of this prayer isn't to just, okay, here's all the things, you know, pointing our fingers and saying, here's all the ways, you know, every, everyone's messing up, but it's, here's all the ways that we have been displeasing God so that we can go to God and forgiveness, and He can cover us, and we could be made whole and perfect. So it goes through this list. So looking at this passage, there's a bunch of do nots. It says, don't be false. In your anger, do not sin, don't steal, don't let the sun go down on your anger, don't give the devil a foothold, do not talk unwholesomely, which is a, a big thing in our house. I have four boys, and they're, they're constant. They, like, unwholesome talk is constantly coming out of their little mouths. Even Max, he's two years old, he can say no, which I think maybe some of you heard it, no, no, he's just saying no. He can say mama, dada, he's got a couple other words, and he, he, one of his favorite phrases, one that he said this morning, like the first thing I saw him, he said, hi, poo-poo. <laughs> it's like, I'm your dad. Hi, poo-poo. <laughs> Stop it. Like, let, let no one host. It's, it's easy to let that. It's, we all do that. Even kids out of the mouth of babes are as unwholesome talk, and we need to stop doing that. Why? Because Christ is inside of us, and we are being made new, and we should put the old away. Paul concludes, he says, do not even grieve the Holy Spirit and, and get rid of. And then he lists a bunch of things. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. And then he says, do these things. Do speak the truth, like looking through this passage that we just read. Paul says, speak the truth. Work so that you can share with those that are in need. Speak what is helpful. Build one another up. Benefit those who listen. And forgive one another. So this list of, of don't do these things, but do do these things. And if you're, if you're coming today, and maybe some of you might be new to church or how salvation works from the Christian perspective, 
I think many times we are guilty from an outside perspective of, oh, people that go to church, all they do is talk about rules, and that's how they're saved. We follow these rules, and then we're good people, and if we're good people, then, then God will let us into his kingdom. And that's not how it works. That's, that's, if we are, from the inside out, changed, and if we are made new, if we come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, then he changes us from the inside out. And when we are changed from the inside out, then we go and we do this work. The final point uh, of this sermon is how salvation works, that salvation is past, present, and future. It's past tense, it's, 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 it's right now, and it's future. So many people talk about salvation only in the past tense, like share their testimonies. Like, oh, this, this one time I prayed this prayer and I came to know God and the knowledge of God, and that's all they ever talk about. But what about now? What about continually coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, we're sorry for the sins we have done so that we can have continued restoration before God because salvation is now. It's not just past. It is also present, and it is future as well. So we could look back and hold to, the, to our faith and, and point to things in our life. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe there's a moment you had conversion. And you could point to that and glorify God. Yes, Lord, I have been saved, but I am being saved. And I will continue, continually for the future be saved. Uh, every, every week on Wednesday mornings, we have a, a staff meeting. And uh, always on the, the, the staff, uh, at, at the beginning, we start off with a cue of the day, a question of the day. And Steve came up with this one, uh, the guy that did the announcements. He came up with this question. He says, um, because we are called to be new, you know, like put on the new, put off the old. Is anyone else straight, you know, thinking about people's testimonies and looking in the past of how salvation works? It's like, we have been saved, and so now we should be perfect, right? And his question was basically, is anyone else struggling with sin? You know, we were all saved here. Is anyone else struggling with sin? And we kind of teased Steve a little bit and said, yeah, Steve, you're the only one. You're the, you know, no one else here is struggling with sin. We, we teased him a little bit. And then, of course, we all chimed in and said, yes, this is the Christian life. We have been saved. For those of us that are in Christ and have put our faith in Christ, we have been saved fully. We have been. And yet Christ is still continuing to work in us and making us new and putting off the old. It's by grace we have been saved. This very, this very sentence is in the book of Ephesians. And, and it's nothing we can do. We put our faith in the Lord and he saves us and we put off the old. And of course, we do look back and say, yeah, we've been assured of our salvation. You know, thinking about sins that we have committed maybe today, maybe la this last week, and thinking about, man, we've really blown it. But, but we do have assurance in salvation because salvation is not by works. But we are at the same time told to put on the new, put off the old, keep that up, keep, keep going before the Lord and saying we're sorry. I think there's a grievous sin of pride when, when someone, a Christian specifically, messes up and then they're like, oh, it's, it's nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's no big deal. It's nothing. It's like, well, a better attitude would be to repent and go before the Lord and, and be covered by his grace and mercy and let the Lord say that. Let the Lord say, you're right. In the Bible is, is continuous grace for us that the Lord has covered over us. But I think we're missing a step if we, if we say, yeah, we've sinned, but ain't no big thing to God. I think it's the same way it works in relationships. If there's a broken relationship because someone has hurt you, and, and maybe it was a grievous thing. Someone, someone really hurt you or stole something that you could never get back in your life. And it, it would be silly of you to just say, oh yeah, no big deal, when it really was a big deal. 
it's the better way to do it would be to say, yeah, that was a big deal. It, it ruined me for, for years. And in fact, even now I'm, I'm scarred because of what you did. And it was a big deal. And then the other person say, I, I know, I know that I know that what I did was so wrong. Would you please forgive me? And then you go to them and say, yes, I do forgive you. And that's where real restoration can occur. That's the real restoration between us and God is to just say, is to not say, yeah, Lord, we've sinned, but it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's no big deal to you, right? We're cool, right? But instead, come before the Lord in, in repentance and forgiveness, thinking about the way David did it. He sinned grievously, grievously before the Lord. He committed adultery, then murder to, to cover over that thing. And you can see it in Psalm 51 where he asks for the mercy of the Lord to cover over him. So that's what we're going to do today. If you would bow your heads with me. We're going to pray now, and then we're going to say this prayer together um, in just a minute. But before we do that, Lord... We, we come before you in the, in the power of your resurrection. The, the, this verse that says the same power that rose Christ from the dead is at work in us. And so, Jesus, we come before you and, and ask for that power to, to redeem us and to forgive us and to cover us over, to take away the old and, and so that we might put on the new. God, you are the God who forgives us. And Lord, we, we don't come before you just thinking about that nonchalantly, but Lord, we, we look at you and know that you are the one who has covered us, that we have um, sinned against you in, in all these different ways, continually doing so. But Lord, we come before you and say, Lord, we're sorry. We're so sorry for these sins we, we've, we, we have before you. And then Lord, you are faithful. You, you come over us and you wash us clean of all of our sin. And so Lord, it's, it's in that attitude that we're grateful to you for salvation, for, for the taking away the old and putting on the new. So, Lord, we praise you. We repent to you. We ask for your mercy, and then, Lord, we receive it. In your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to say a prayer. And this, this kind of prayer, I think our prayer lives can, can be different things. I think there's a very important part of our prayer life that is our words before God, our own very words, uh, talking to God. And then there's another part of prayer that, that is um, when, when we are guided by, in prayer by some of the psalms or some of the songs that we sing or prayers that, like this that we're about to say. This is a prayer from church history that, that goes through all these different sins. It lists all these things. It's very specific, and it's, a, it's a quite long. We're going to say it together as a guide that we might come before the Lord in repentance. And there's, there's things on this list that, of course, we are all guilty of. And at the end of the prayer, it's like after saying, Lord, forgive us of these things, then it's, Lord, would you cover us and wash over us and would you forgive us? So would you join me in saying this prayer of confession together? I confess to the Lord, my God, all my countless sins committed by me unto this very day and hour in deed, word, and thought. I sin daily and hourly by my own Words of God, with great and countless blessings, and benevolent over me, a sinner. I have sinned through idle talk, judging others, stubbornness, pride, hard heartness, envy, anger, slander, inattention, negligence concerning my salvation, carelessness, indifference, rudeness, irritability despondency, rendering evil for evil, 
bitterness, disobedience, complaining, self-justification, contradicting others, self-will, being reproachful, gossiping, lying, light-mindedness, tempting others, self-love, ambition, indulging, eating and drinking to excess, vanity, laziness, unclean thoughts, greed, impure glances, absence from divine services because of laziness, carelessness, absent-mindedness, prayer both in church and at home. I have sinned in deed, word, and thought, in sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, and the rest of my mental and physical senses. Of all my sins, I repent and I beg forgiveness. I also repent and ask forgiveness for all those sins that I have not confessed because of their multitude and my forgiveness. I forgive me and absolve me, bless me to commune in thy holy and life-creating mysteries of Christ unto the remission of sins and life everlasting. 